everybody. This week we're going to change things up a little bit. We're going to slide away from Mary Sue and Richard getting into all of the trouble they're about to get into. And we're going to focus back over here on Boz and, well, Valerie after her last escapade. Next week will be Mary Sue and Richard, and that'll be the last of the downtime stuff, and we'll get back into the next job. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, enjoy the show. So you guys have kind of split up and gone your separate ways for at least a little while. What's Annika's plan of action from the hotel? I think she gets a different hotel room, probably a much smaller, more Spartan arrangement. It might even be like a coffin for a little while. I think she spends a couple of days kind of like brooding, because she hasn't had a lot of alone time. And uh, I think she would use the opportunity to just sort of like fall into herself a little bit. She probably spends a lot of time at a bar near the coffin hotel that she's staying at, just drinking and smoking and thinking about what exactly she wants to do with her life at this point. She probably spends some time contemplating whether she should just like find herself a ticket out of Seattle and just, you know, quit while she's ahead. But she eventually comes out of it a couple days later. Does she have a particular rooftop that she enjoys brooding on? I think maybe she just finds a way to the top of the Coffin Hotel. It's not a real tall building, but it gets her up and away from the street level. It's quiet. Not a lot of lights up there. So about two, three days into your brooding, you're going to get a phone call. Does she recognize the number or anything? Valerie, does she recognize the number? Yep. She would, because Val would have programmed everybody's comm links to have the new numbers and everything in them. She picks up. Hey, Val, what's going on? Didn't expect to hear from you so soon. Um, Boz, I got a... I got a... a problem. And, um... I'm... I'm kind of hoping you can maybe possibly sort of help me with it. There's like a pause. And you can kind of hear the sound of, like, distant traffic in the background of the phone call. Finally, she says, what kind of trouble? I mean, the uh, the more immediate issue is that um, this is super awkward. I haven't been able to eat today. Val's voice is just a mixture of chagrined and defeated. Boss is like standing near the edge of the rooftop, sort of like leaning against like a little low wall that guards people from falling off of it. And she's got like a flask of whiskey sitting on the thing beside her, and she's rubbing the bridge of her nose, and she says, Yeah. All right, Val. I know what you need. Where are you at? Val will give Boz the location of her new basement-dwelling apartment. It's like a bus trip away. I still don't have a vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) Neither does Val. She sighs a little, and she doesn't sound, like, like, angry or frustrated. She just sort of, she seems tired. She says, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll be right over. It's not like I got anything else going on right now. Um, um, I'm sorry, boss. I didn't want to call on anybody, but um, I'll uh, um, I'll I'll tell you the rest when you get here. Wait, wait. There's more. I mean, it's just it's just a minor thing. It's no big deal. Yeah, minor. All right. I I guess I'll I'll be over there. Give me like forty five minutes. She hangs up. And she looks at her flask, and she realizes she's, like, just a little on the drug side. Just, like, an ambient level of drunk that she's gotten super used to. You stop feeling drunk, but she thinks about it, and she definitely is a little there. She takes her flask, and she caps it, tucks it into her coat, gives another sigh, and uh, throws the butt of her cigarette off the building and walks to the bus stop. A annoying 45-minute-ish ride bus trip later. You will come up outside of a small apartment building in a not-great part of the neighborhood, and that'll be uh, where Valerie now lives, apparently. What time of the day did you make this phone call, Val? It's probably late-ish afternoon when Val would make the call. So, like, 4.30, 5 o'clock is around the time that Annika shows up. Yeah, there's just a knock at your door. And uh, if you look through the peephole, Annika's not looking super great. She looks tired. She's got a hood up over her head, bags under her eyes. The door will open into this teeny, tiny, little basement studio apartment. There's a futon up against one wall that just looks terrible. There's, like, the tiniest of kitchenettes, which just has stuff just piled up on it, boxes and things like that. And 
the faint stench of garbage dumpster sort of permeates the room. Ah. Boss, like, steps in and looks around. You can see her sort of smell, and she says, you know, I kind of figured that as someone who doesn't do a lot of eating, your place would smell all right. Val's face immediately turns bright red, and she will run over to one of the boxes in the kitchen, and she'll pull out whatever sixth world Febreze is, and she'll just start spraying it. She'll be like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I've been trying to get rid of the stench for the last 12 hours, but apparently when you fall in a dumpster, it just lingers. I've already thrown away the clothing, and I don't know why the stench will just, I, I'm sorry, that's, that's neither here nor there. Please, yeah, come and have, have a seat. And she'll, like, race over to the futon and, like, throw the blankets and pillows off to the side. At the mention of falling in a dumpster, Boss just smiles. It just looks like she's just a little delighted. Imagining in her head what stories might result in someone falling in a dumpster. She walks in, she kind of shrugs at her coat and uh, lays it over the top of a chair. And she sits down. She looks at Val and sort of raises her eyebrows and she says, uh, so, what what happened? At that, Val starts fiddling with stuff in the apartment. There's a lot of, like, computer-type gear and stuff that's kind of laying around, and she'll, like, pick something up and start fiddling with it and not make eye contact with Boz. And there is a definite sense of chagrin. And she goes, I'm sorry, boss. I, I, I couldn't just... I couldn't just leave it alone. And I went, and I might have broken into somebody's apartment who used to work at Paradynamics with us. Boss sort of knits her eyebrows and, like, sort of confused. Wait, to do what? Are you trying to, like, get information or something? Okay, so here's the thing. And she'll, like, grab her cyberdeck and she'll, like, pull up the video that she had downloaded from the day that the day of the incident we'll call it and uh she'll come and she'll sit down next to boz and she'll start playing security footage boz will see that it's of daniel acting super suspicious or at least in val's mind he's acting super suspicious but he's kind of like looking back over his shoulder as everybody is evacuated at building val will will sort of point to it she'll say i have all this video footage and Daniel just, he just left Michael and he was looking super suspicious. So I thought maybe he had something to do with the, uh, with, with, with what happened to, to us, to, to me. Cause it's, it's, it's his fault that Michael got left and it's, it's, it's his fault that we had to go in there. And at this point, Val gets super emotional. And she's like, it's his fault I was in the cubicles, and it's his fault that I got, that I was bit, and damn it, I just wanted some answers. Boss listens to this and kind of like slowly leans back into the couch and is just watching with like a sort of growing vague horror at what might have gone down in this apartment. And she says, let me get this straight. You just got a new identity after burning your real one. And you thought it would be a good idea to go harass someone that knows who you are? Val waves her hand and she goes, I I hacked my way into the apartment. It's fine. I didn't register my new sin or anything there, so it it's fine. He I didn't introduce myself as my new fake name. But yeah. So boss she just sort of shakes her head and chuckles a little bit, which is, it's more common for her to sort of like act frustrated that people are kind of doing in her eyes things that she thinks are stupid. But she sort of chuckles and shakes her head. And you might at this point start to realize you can kind of smell some whiskey coming off of her. Maybe there's a little bit of flesh in her cheeks. And she says, uh, well, I hope it was worth it. Did you get anything out of him? Val will sort of set down her cyberdeck and she sort of just tilts her head back and she stares up at the ceiling. And says, I mean, kinda, sorta, but not really. I talked to him about the people who did, who pulled the job on us, if he knew anything about them, and he had no clue, and 
I went through his comm link and there was nothing suspicious on there. Well, I mean, I guess it, it's a loose end tied up. I mean, he's not gonna, he's not gonna go to the cops on you, is he? He may. There was a, a bit of a struggle, but, um, that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, he did mention something. Wait, 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 wait. Struggle. What do you mean, a struggle? Boss looks kind of amused at this point. I mean, I, I don't know, like, you know, I, I'm, I may have tried to bite him. Boss, like, raises her eyebrows, and there's a moment where she looks like she doesn't know whether she should laugh or sigh. And she reaches into her coat, and she pulls out a flask, and she looks at it, unscrews it. She starts to, like, move it as if she's going to offer a drink, but realizes, well, this is a bad idea. She just takes a swig and sticks it back in her coat. She says, well, at least you're here, and you're all right now. Oh, wow, that was dumb. Like, if you're going to eat someone, maybe pick someone who doesn't know who you are. I mean, now, basically attempted murder, right? I mean, I don't have to, like, drink him dry or anything like that. I just... You think the cops are gonna buy that? He broke into someone's house and attacked them in their home. You think they're gonna, like, they're gonna say, oh, well, it's probably just the salt, right? Just a vampire trying to drink someone's blood? Right. I mean, to be fair, all I did was go over there to talk. He was the one who escalated it. I think maybe breaking into his apartment may have been the first escalation. You know what I mean? All I want to hear you say is that this was a bad idea. And then we can move on. I can admit it was a bad idea. But I I know he doesn't have anything to do with it now. And I know Doris apparently got arrested. Wait, wait. Doris got arrested? This day keeps getting better. I mean, I don't know all the details, but that's what he was babbling about. Alright, alright, alright. So you tried to eat Daniel, right? And you apparently didn't succeed. So I guess that's maybe good, maybe for the best, honestly. And you're here now, and the cops ain't beating down your door. So do you need any help with that, I guess, is what I'm asking. How bad is it? I mean... Do we need to go talk to Daniel? No, 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 no. I think going back and talking to Daniel would be a very, very, uh, very bad idea. I think for the moment, we can just let it be. Yeah. All right. We can let it be. Is there anything else you need? You said you hadn't eaten in a while. I'm assuming that's why I'm here. That and I had some... I I did have something else to um, to ask you um, in addition to seeing if um, I could... I could get something to eat. Um, According to your employee file, you did a lot of survivalist hunting stuff up in the Arctic, right? Yeah, I was an outfitter for a science outpost in the Arctic. I did a lot of hunting and trapping, yeah. I'm not sure that's going to apply here, but what are you thinking? Can you... This is going to sound so stupid. Can you teach me how to hunt? How to fight? I can teach you how to shoot a gun, and I can teach you how to get around in the wilderness. I don't know how how much hunting people is, in the sense that you're you're hunting people. Uh, I don't know; it's it's quite the same thing. But uh, you let me think on it a little bit. Maybe there's something I can I could do for you. Sure. Okay. I just I I I don't know what else to do. I mean, I mean, my idea of hunting is you know. Staying downwind from an animal, keeping out of sight. I mean, these are basic ideas as long as you know the lay of land. Just you don't go into a situation unprepared. And that's sort of the crux of it. Everything else is just knowledge. And we can we can have a long conversation about that at some point if you want to get into it. But I think hunting people, that's it is a little weird, I got to say. But I suppose maybe with this line of work we're getting into, maybe maybe I should be thinking about exactly how one goes about that sort of thing, too. So, wouldn't hurt. And Val just looks, like, kind of excited and just like, no, see, it's, yeah, all of those basic principles, I mean, it's, it, they gotta be transferable. They gotta, they, you have to be able to to do use them in both sorts of situations. It's just gonna be weird. Well, I guess the thing is, animals normally don't have security cameras set up around and security perimeters and checkpoints and, you know, they, it's just you 
the wilderness and your prey. And uh, that's just not how it is in the city. So I have to adapt a little. I'm. Here's what I would say to you. You probably got more skills that'll get you by in the city hunting people than I do. You can take care of the security camera problem. Sounds like you didn't do a great job of it this time around, which is unfortunate. But in the future, I mean, you you can make sure that security footage doesn't exist, right? Yeah, that's that's something I I can definitely do. Just think about it from your own perspective, and then once you got that figured out, we can we can talk about making you a little I don't know a little more sensitive to your environment when you're actually doing the thing. Now, I gotta say. I don't really like the idea of being part of you eating people, but I mean, you got to make sure that you can eat, I guess. There's no getting around it. Are you sure that we can't just, you know, maybe put some pressure on someone at a, at a blood bank or something? I really feel like there might be an easier way to go about this. I mean, I'm certainly willing to try, but I mean, I don't know. All right. Well, I'm in no state. I'm going to be honest with you to be, to be pondering this sort of, this sort of grisly nonsense, I gotta say. So, uh, I will think on it. And, uh, you know, we'll keep in touch and we'll keep this thing going. I'm not trying to blow you off or anything. I just, I just don't know how to help you right now. Val will nod her head and she will, uh, she'll say, I understand, boss. I get it. It's a heck of a thing that I am asking you to do. Boss laughs at that. But I would, I would really appreciate anything you could help me with. And I will. I'm not going to let you down. You know, I'm not going to leave you hanging. If there's something I can help with, we'll figure out what that is. And I'll, and I'll, yeah, my word, I'll help you with it. Thank you, boss. That is no problem. Now, how do you want to do this, this other thing? She looked like a little uncomfortable with the whole idea, but she's here. She wouldn't be if she wasn't willing. So she's already got her coat off. She's got like a hoodie on underneath that she unzips and starts to pull off and she's got a tank top under that so her arm is free and she just kind of like awkwardly holds it up like go nuts kind of thing. I'm going to guess Val has been studying up on major blood pathways in the uh, metahuman bodies and probably take your hand and arm and go for the wrist. Yeah, okay. Boss is like, you sure you don't want to put like a down towel or something in case you, I don't know, how do you, never mind. Boss just shakes her head and starts to, like, rub her nose. Like, this is, like, just a thing she kind of wants to get over with. Maybe dragging it out to get a towel is not a good, great idea. <laughs> Super awkward blood-sucking montage. What's the plan of action after your awkward, tender moment? Awkward, tender moment. Um, I don't think Boss would stick around out much longer unless Val needed something. Nope, that would probably be it. I like to imagine that there's sort of like an awkwardly stiff handshake at the end of all this. <laughs> like Val will have like some gauze and some bandages to wrap Boz's wrist and like, I'm sorry, I'm still learning and like, yeah. I just imagine it's super awkward after the fact. Yeah, it super is. Boss is pretty low charisma, so awkward is kind of her wheelhouse. She doesn't make a big deal about it or anything, but it's clear that she's not comfortable. She's sort of like brushing off, like, it's no big deal, don't worry about it. But um, she's just like really stiff and doesn't really want to make eye contact. And she uh, eventually she just like, I guess I guess I should go. Thanks catching up. Thanks again. Thanks again, boss. And boss just sort of slips out. She's out in the hallway and she pulls her flask out, takes another drink and sort of sighs and just disappears down the hallway. So as you're uh, going to lift your flask, it's kind of strange. You're going to hear like the tippy-tappy of like dog paws. Like, you know how their nails hit the ground and they make little clicky sounds? Of course. You're going to hear that as if it comes up closer to you. But when you look, there's nothing there. She doesn't just look. She like spins around her coat, kind of like goes up. She looks back. It's sort of like a weird thing to just have like a, a dog walking up behind you in a hallway. But she looks, she doesn't see anything and she just... I think she puts it down to, like, a little bit of blood loss, a little too much alcohol. She's feeling a little lightheaded. She just, like, shakes her head and says, like, I need I need a nap. And she just keeps on. Is anybody else doing anything on that day? Boss is going to sleep off blood loss, I think. Valerie? Or is she just going to wallow in self-pity? Uh, Val's probably going to log into Hot Sim into the Matrix and play Proving Grounds for pretty much the rest of the day. So wallow in pity, then. 
Oh, totally <laughs> wallowing in pity and like have a ticker up so she can see if there are any fun news stories concerning Mr. Daniel. Oh dear. Well, there won't be anything about Daniel. Your buddy, though, will send you a message or two, seeing how things are. Hasn't talked to you in a little while. Oh, you're talking Odin? Yeah, your little proving ground buddy. Shit. Val's gonna shoot off a quick message to him and say, Everything's fine, just meat space crap. He's gonna be a little bit more persistent. He's gonna ask you, yeah, you've, you said you've been having a lot of that meat space stuff. You know, there was a event that I tried to get a hold of you, but it came and went before I got a hold of you. Oh, they're, they're restructuring at work, and everybody's just under a lot of stress and trying to make themselves look good. So that way they don't get the axe. You know how it is. He will try to get you to open it up a little bit. Because he knows that it's been bothering you for a while. And it's like, you know, you need somebody to talk to. And all of that dippy bullshit. Val's not going to give him the straight truth. But she also values him as a friend. And she'll kind of, not necessarily make up a story, but kind of put rose-colored glasses on the whole situation. And just, like, give him a little bit of information and just like, you know, I'm probably going to wind up losing my job and stuff like that. Oh, it's like, well, you know, there's, there's always other opportunities to make union and he will make mention of an event coming up next month that, you know, if you're interested in, he could see about, you know, doing the paperwork. Val will say, yeah, no, I mean, especially if I'm going to have free time on my hands, I may as well compete. Great. Sounds like a thing then. So the next morning-ish, Balls, are you doing anything while somebody sleeps in their dingy basement apartment? I think, like, the experience of the past day has kind of, like, shook Boss up a little bit. Like, she was sort of in a, quickly falling into a rut, and she sort of starts to realize that. One of her only friends left in the world is needed her help, and she was, like, drunk, you know? The important thing is, is you still helped. I think she spends the day, like, looking for an actual apartment and thinking about what exactly she's going to do until the next thing kind of rolls around. And do you want to go into, like, apartments and stuff? I don't think it matters that much. Well, what kind of lifestyle are you trying to get? Either one of two things. Either she's going to live in a shitty small apartment in the city somewhere, because that's exactly what she was doing before this whole thing fell apart. Or she tried to get out away from the city. I don't know how realistic that is since she doesn't have a vehicle. Vehicles aren't that expensive, are they? A motorcycle is sort of what I was thinking. Like a Yamaha Growler, which is a one step from a dirt bike into being a motorcycle, is like five grand. Okay. Yeah, it sounds reasonable. Something she can get around on and she can go where she wants to go. Sure. Five grand. Is that what you want? Because there's also like, you get a Dodge Scoot. So what's this thing called? The dirt bike-ish? Yamaha Growler is a durable off-road bike used in motocross and other extreme sports events. And, yeah, like, what would it cost to get, like, kind of like a crappy rundown shack out at the edge of the city kind of thing? I don't know how far you had to go before the trees, but I feel like she would go through some effort to, like, get near near the woods so she doesn't feel like she's suffocating in the city. You could probably get just, like, a low lifestyle out there with the opportunity to sometime increase it to a medium lifestyle if you wanted to spend the money on getting some cabin retrofitted. That works. It's basically some family renting out a uh, their old hunting cabin somewhere. Out. Like, how far would you have to get from the city before you'd find something like that? Oh, I don't know. Can we say it's just like an hour and a half from the city kind of thing? Sure. All right, so you're out in the middle of nowhere. So she's sort of slowly pulling herself out of this funk that she's been in, sort of like realizing, like, she can't just leave because she's got people here that maybe don't rely on her heavily, but they do, like, she needs to be here. She feels like a sense of responsibility to, like, make sure that her friends are all right, at least for a while. Yeah, she gets set up. I think being out in the woods a little bit kind of snaps her of stuff, too. And she spends an afternoon cutting wood, and she starts to feel kind of alive again. I think it's probably, like, a couple days after that, she, she gives uh, Scrapper a call. Sure. Valor, were you doing anything of interest over the next two days? The only thing Val would be doing would probably be looking for information about Doris's arrest. Sure. What are you trying to do about lunch? Val's going to wind up probably reaching out to Dr. Good. How many days into it are you going to reach out to Dr. Good? She'll probably go as long as she can, so maybe two days? Three days? I don't know. Two is probably like... Really pushing it? Yeah. 
But yeah, you could call him if you wanted. Sure. What time of the day are you making the phone call? This time she'll probably wait till actually into the evening. Okay. I'm presuming she got his personal number from their last visit. Yeah, that sounds accurate. If he's going to ask you to do weird things and that kind of stuff, probably appropriate. Yeah. Alright, so you call him and you get a, uh, a guten Abend. Doctor, Doctor Good? It's, um, it's, it's Valerie. Ah, yes, Miss Rhodes. Yes. How may I assist you with this evening? I've been doing some thinking and I think, I, I, I think I need your help. I think, I, I know you had talked about experiments and things like that and, and uh, being yeah. able to help me. I, I've hit rock bottom. I, I need help. This this is good. What's what is the help that you need? I I I can't find a reliable um source of sustenance. This is one of the most basic of issues. Very basic, yes, but also, you know, not a whole lot of people lining up, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes, this is this is true. Hmm Yes. Believe I can help. Oh, need some time? But yes, yes, this... I believe... You can kind of hear him moving around in the background a little bit. Yes. Come over. Uh, okay. Now? Yes. This is okay. this is why you called me, is an emergency, yes? Uh, yeah, yes, ab- ab- absolutely. I, I didn't know you were going to be so, uh, so... Willing. You are my patient. This is an important duty for a doctor to take care of his patients. So, uh, yeah, uh, sure. Give me, give me uh, like uh, a half hour, and I'll be there. Good. I'll have the maid to bring you in. Okay. So, time for sixth world Uber. You're also going to notice that you're kind of salivating a little bit because it's like so hungry. You will arrive at the good doctor's house with very little issue. Assuming that you go up and kind of knock up on his door? Yeah. The maid opens it immediately after your knock, as if she had been standing there waiting for you patiently. She'll give you a very wide smile. Good evening. Right this way. Thank you. Val kind of nods her head. She's like in, I imagine, like, just like that stupid sort of chains and belts and stuff hanging off her clothing, and I imagine that's what Val's now relaxed attire is like. The maid is just going to kind of bring you into the living room or the sitting room, and there's nobody in there. And she'll just kind of like, here you go, you know, have a seat. She'll nod to the maid, but she actually won't take the seat. Instead, she'll kind of pace along the length of the room. So the maid will just kind of continue standing there by the doorway where she led you in, you know, arms folded, and, you know, 15 minutes will go by, 20 minutes will go by. Val will occasionally, like, look at her calmly. Check to see if there's any messages, any mail, and... And then about 25 minutes to a half hour, you will start to see flashing emergency vehicle lights coming up to the building. Oh, God. Val's gonna go over to the windows and look out. Is it a police car? Because if so, she's gonna make a break for it. So you're gonna see a luxury sedan pull up, and behind it is a ambulance? Odd. Yeah, a little bit. But so long as it's not a cop car, she'll get, like, super tense, but then she'll relax a little bit, but still kind of, like, be bouncing on, like, the balls of her feet. And as you kind of watch, you'll hear the maid leave the room, go back over towards the entrance. You will see the two vehicles stop in front of the house. Dr. Good will get out of the first vehicle. And then you will see out of the ambulance vehicle, there's going to be a guy who's going to get out, and he's going to go around to the back, get some stuff. And kind of come back around and meet Dr. Good at the front, where the door is opened, and you will hear the maid greet him, and he will ignore the maid and come into uh, the little sitting room where you are. Val's sort of standing there with her arm crossed, and just kind of pacing a little bit, and maybe eventually she'll like put her hands on the back of a chair that's in front of her. And Good evening, Doctor. The salivating thing has gotten a little bit worse. Yeah, yeah. The the fangs are kind of dropping down a little bit. You've tasted this man. Yeah, I have. Behind him, you're going to see a, a young human man, maybe early 20s, nice, floofy, movie star-style hair in his dock wagon get-up, and he's going to be carrying with him a small box. 
It's got one of those little, like, red cross signs on it. Ah, Miss Rhodes, please, Uh, have a seat. Thank you. At this point, Val will take a seat and, like, be eyeing this other person up and the box. You will notice that he takes you in. He's like, all right, yep, that's that's kind of a person. That is a person. Yep, that is a person who I've maybe been told strange things about. (laughs) Yep. She'll look at him and, like, not make eye contact. Like, she's super embarrassed about the whole thing. The good doctor will motion. Sven, this is Valerie. Valerie, this is Sven. He is a confidant, we shall say. Nice to meet you, Sven. He will look uneasy at, you know, no, like, handshake or anything, but just kind of like a, a small nod as though he acknowledges your greeting and such. Valerie wouldn't have extended a hand. She just kind of does that, you know weird head nod thing and just like hi acknowledging your existence and he'll look down at the box like so uh i think this is for you and he'll take a couple of steps forward and put it down on one of the tables valerie will sort of look between him and dr good to be like can i take it he will motion with his head. yes please please and around this time the maid will come in with a small bottle of wine and three glasses on it she'll put it down <laughs> and, and pour two glasses of wine give him his fan and the doctor and Bring one of the glasses over to you that's empty. Val is going to take the glass and kind of like hold it one hand and kind of like spin it back and forth and look between the glass and the box and like look up at the two of them. Like, are they going to be weirded out when I bust this open and uh, dump a blood bag into this glass? The doctor has begun drinking his wine. Sven is just kind of standing there looking very awkward and confused. Yeah. Is it a cooler or is it? It is a small cooler, like, you know, those kinds you see on TV for the organ transplants. Val's gonna kick it open. Alright, inside you'll see, first a little bit of that overly dramatic, this is a really cold thing that now hit room temperature. Little steam will kind of come off of it. And inside there's gonna be, like, seven little blood packs, it looks like. Val will actually let out, like, a sigh of relief. And just, (sighs) and she will, uh grab one of them, and with shaking hands, attempt to pour it into the glass to have some sense of dignity and not just rip straight into the bag. You think she's going to be able to do that? I don't know. I think she's going to have to make a composer check. With two successes, you're going to be able to kind of, like, shakily pour it in there. As you get it in there, you're going to kind of feel it's like, oh, man. And it's one of those things where it's like, hey, uh, everything else in the world except for this bag and this glass just kind of fades out of existence until you're starting to drink it. When you kind of come up from the first couple of sips, you will notice that Sven has gone pale and quickly leaves the room. And the doctor looks very interested. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to upset him. It's just, it's it's been a couple of days since I've eaten anything. No, no, this is, this is fine. And he'll more or less cling his glass with yours. Val will clink glasses, I suppose, and uh, she'll sort of sit back and almost, like, have that sort of dreamy expression on her face of, like, somebody who is, like, having a smoke for, like, the first time today. Or So once you're finished, the doctor will finish his. The maid is just kind of standing there the whole time. When last we met, I asked about a journal. Has there been yes. any progress with the journal? Val would nod her head and say, I've made a few notes. I don't know that it's very good. This is fine. This is a start on a journey of discovery. For example, you will notice that the bags in there all have different numbers on them. If you could make notations on the profile of them. Describing how the blood tastes. Yes, this, this is what I mean. Val's kind of she shakes her head and laughs a little ruefully, and she's like, yeah, I can I can do that. And she kind of looks at the glass that she's drained, and she's like, I may not have a description for this one, though. This, this is fine, I understand. There is so many things with the blood that different methods of identification could prove useful. And this is only the beginning. Val nods her head in agreement and says, yeah, I can I can definitely do that. That's That's... Not a problem. You will hear the sound of a toilet flushing elsewhere in the house. But he'll come back looking a little green around the get ills, you know, turn it on. He's like, Doc, is, uh, I'm, I'm good to go, right? Yes, this is, this is fine. And he'll give a look to Valerie and then beat feet out the door. 
Yeah, Val's not going to try to say anything to him. In fact, she's going to try very desperately not to make eye contact. He's a good boy. I don't think he likes me very much. This is out of the ordinary for him. It's out of the ordinary for a lot of people, I think. He wants to go to medical school. Do you know this? Oh? Yes. Good for him. Yes, I, I will help him with the medical school if he assists me in this other research. A look of understanding crosses Valerie's face, and she goes, Oh, oh, okay. Yes, yes. You will be able to call him, and he will be able to supply. This is acceptable? Yes, very much so. Thank you, Dr. Good. Very good. He will be instructed to pick up some journalings from you each time. Val will nod her head eagerly, and she'll look at him and she'll say, I will make sure that I'm as detailed as I can manage. Good. Then you are free to partake or be on your way as you please. I have much to prepare for in the research and the new projects. Val's not going to overstay her welcome. She's going to pick up her little box and uh, set the glass down on the table in front of her and say, uh, Thank you, Dr. Good. I will, I will talk to you soon. He will get up and walk with you through. Remember, Miss Rhodes, we are doing great things for medicine. Great things. He kind of like clenches his cyber arm in a little fist and kind of gives it that. <clears throat> Val will nod her head and say, yes, I, I know, doctor, I know. And she will call up her Uber and uh, get out of there. See, he's helpful. Oh, of course, then. So yeah, you have a couple of days of food here to hold you over until the next time. I imagine Val probably rations herself, tries to make it last. How's Wood's life going? I think it's good for Boz. It takes a couple of days to kind of like get out of her funk, but after days of, you know, chopping wood and getting out into the woods and setting some traps and maybe maybe catching something to eat, she starts to kind of remember her old self, you know, she was active up in the Arctic and, you know, doing this sort of thing on a daily basis uh, to survive and as work. And, uh, yeah, after a couple of days, she decides she needs to take a trip in, into the city. So she gets on her bike and she heads into the city and she's sort of like just getting a couple of necessities. But she figures she'll stop in and talk to Scrapper because she's got some ideas of, uh, you know, if she's going to survive this whole uh, shadow running thing. She should probably invest in trying to improve herself and make sure she can survive it. And he's the guy to go to. So you just kind of roll up on the scrapyard? Yeah, I mean, he'd probably hear the sort of like noisy, two-stroke, crappy, dirt bike-ish engine as uh, she just kind of rolls into the yard. She just starts immediately for the door. Is he uh, anywhere to be seen? Yeah, he's probably in there. I don't imagine he goes a whole lot of places. So as you approach, you're going to see that there is another motorcycle out front. Okay. This is like a Suzuki Mirage, but it's uh but as you get closer you're gonna set the artwork and stuff on it is really nicely done. You're gonna see him sitting at the table, he's got a glass of something there. And there is a young elven woman, long black hair, in that annoying, always looking twenty three kind of look like Mary Sue has. Yeah, can't get enough of it. Yeah. They're in there. They seem to just be kinda like having a good time, having a bit of a, a laugh. Okay. Uh, yeah, Boz like steps in. Sort of like has that look like she's, am I interrupting something kind of thing? Looks at Scrapper and should should I go kind of thing. He'll look up and he'll, you know, give you the two finger wave in. And she walks in. She uh, sort of gives the elven woman a, kind of a, a glance and. She'll raise her glass to you just as like a, hey, you know, how you doing? She sort of like does a little chin jut thing that people do. So she sits down probably closer to Scrapper than the lady. She sort of looks between them and she says, uh. I hope I'm not interrupting anything. I just wanted to talk to you, Scrapper, if that's all right. When you say Scrapper, she'll raise an eyebrow. Like, she's like, oh, I'll just, uh, on that note. And he'll come in and like, is this, like, a business help or a friend help? Does he wait until the elf lady's gone before he says that? She kind of is like, oh, because you used the business name. So. Oh, I see, I see. She was kind of like, uh-oh, maybe I need to not be here. And then she was kind of getting ready, and he kind of like, yeah, hold on a second. And then he asked if this was a, a friend help or a business help. Boss sort of like considers that for a moment, and she says, eh, maybe maybe more towards the friend side of things. Pull up a chair. 
and he'll go get a glass and pour out some some iced tea. She takes it and she takes a sip and kind of looks at it like she's maybe never had it before, but she doesn't say anything. She looks at the scrapper and says, "Look, uh, I mean, it's it's probably uh, become obvious to you that uh, me and and the rest of my friends, you know, maybe we got a little bit of talent here and there if we put it all together, but." Uh, we're still kind of in over our heads a little bit. And I was thinking, me in particular, if I'm going to get through all this stuff in one piece, I'm going to need to step up my game a little bit, if you understand my meaning. So he's going to lean back in his chair. There are a lot of different ways to receive help and improve oneself. Do you need a surgeon? Do you need some kind of spiritual leader? Boss, like, raises her eyebrows at that. She's like, looks a little surprised. Like, this is... That's a different direction than she was thinking entirely. But she says, no, no, look, I showed you what I can do with a couple of pistols. But I got to say, you know, I spent a lot of time hunting, but I haven't been in a whole lot of scraps, if you understand. It has come up in the course of our work that I've needed to get into close combat with an individual. And I found myself a little lacking in that regard. I was hoping that, given your position, you might know some people who might be able to help with that kind of thing. The elf is going to quit her glasses like, Oh my god, are you a Shadowrunner? No, nothing like that. She just sort of waves her hand. Damn. I don't know whether she's doing that because she's, like, trying to lie, or if she just, like, doesn't consider herself one. Uncle Leon likes to tell stories sometimes, but, you know, recently he hasn't done anything, so they're all old stories now. She got a little bit of a from. I think Boss will take her cue from Scrapper, how much she's going to admit to kind of thing. Okay. Like when Boss says that she's not a Shadowrunner, does Scrapper like do or say anything? I don't think he would say anything to the contrary, because I feel like he thinks it's kind of a mindset. And you might not have that mindset yet. Yeah. But either way, it's clear that like this elf girl, mm-hmm. un- Uncle Leon, Boz is, like, kind of looking between the two, like Uncle Leon. But she clearly knows sort of what the deal is, so she sort of relaxes a little bit. Like, there's, she can be a little bit more open about stuff, but I think in her mind, when she says she's not a Shadowrunner, she kind of means it, like, I'm doing work. You know, I've seen the Trudio shows, like, that's sort of how she thinks about Shadowrunners, is, like, anti-heroes and stuff. Or she doesn't see herself, though. She's, like, a blue-collar, doing some work. Maybe it's not necessarily legal, but it's a job, her. She's not being some kind of trivia hero. So Scrapper will kind of give her a little bit of a look. Kind of like, mm. Lynn, maybe it's time you you go on home for a little bit. And she'll be like, ah, but... And he'll kind of give her a very stern look. And she'll finish off her glass of sun tea. And it's very nice to meet you. Kind of go out in a bit of a huff. Yeah, Boss not ahead. She says, nice to meet you too, Lynn. And she'll get on that nicely painted bike and drive on out of here. Boss looks back to Scrapper and says, Is she really your niece? I'll take a deep breath. Well, did some work with her dad. Ah, that kind of relation. I understand. I won't pry. So you want to learn the fight? More or less. I thought about heading up a gym doing some kind of like basic martial arts, but, you know, I don't know how practical that stuff really is. I figure if I really want to learn how to do this job, it's going to have to be a little more serious than that. He'll look out to the parking lot, see that Lynn has driven off, and, uh, well, I don't really have anything else this evening, so if you got time, we can take a ride. Look, Scrapper, I, I'm, I ain't expecting you to do this out of this kindness of your heart. If you want a little bit of a kickback, I don't mind paying a little bit for your help. I didn't say he was going to teach you. I'm just making an introduction. Boss another head, she says, that, that's fine for me. Anything helps. And you guys will load up in one of the vehicles, one of the more cars rather than like a van or anything crazy. And he will drive you off into the barrens a bit. She'd probably ask who this person was along the way. Does he sort of like hold back on that or? The guy I worked with twice. Twice? Doesn't sound like you know him very well. You may come to find yourself a very good judge of people's character in a short time in this line of work. Boss says her head, doesn't press on that. She says, so you worked with him, you mean like 
like shadow running. Yeah, that's that's more or less how it goes. Most people I know from this line of work aren't still around. Well, I guess I would take it as a, a point of talent if he's managed to come out the other side, as you have. I imagine that you can't get this far without being good at what you do. I'll give you kind of a solemn nod. Is there anything else you want to get out of him while you're taking this drive? I don't think so. There's probably stuff I could ask, but Boz is not a chatty person. And he will drive you to a stuffer shack, kind of on the border of Touristville and the rest of the Barrens, so like the bad part and the really bad part. Sure. Boss looks a little surprised at where they're rolling up to, and she says, you have to make a stop before we go to where we're going? Nope. This is it, huh? Yep. She looks at the window at the storefront, and it's like, just looks a little incredulous, but she says, well, I, I guess it's as good a retirement job as any. Let's see if he's here. She gets out and walks with Scrapper to the door. Yep. You'll notice that there's some younger metahumans just kind of like hanging around outside as they are prone to do around convenience stores. There's a couple of cars here. But how familiar would Boss be with gang signs and stuff? Not very. Well, you know, she did grow up in Detroit. I don't know how prevalent gangs are in Detroit since it's pretty locked down, but, uh. Not very, because it's lowest rate of unemployment, recorded and reported, and however you want to spin it. I don't think she would. It's kind of hard to tell the difference if you're not, like, a local, like, between right. just, like, someone's, someone's tag and a gang sign sort of thing. Yeah, she doesn't know anything. You know, you guys will kind of go inside and mosey around and... Scrapper will kind of lead you around some of the aisles, and then he'll stop, and he'll point at a guy down the other end. That's him. Is he, like, clerk? Is he stocking shelves? What's what's he doing? He is a dwarf. He is on the older side. He's bald up on top. His hair has gone mostly gray. He's got a little apron on that's, you know, stuffer shack on it, and he's got a little mop and is mopping the floor. Wow. How far we fall, I guess. She doesn't say that out loud. <laughs> just, just FYI. She kind of like raises her eyebrow at Scrapper, but just sort of like shrugs a shoulder. She says, uh, well, are you going to introduce me? He knows you're here. Boss just sort of shakes her head and pats Scrapper on the arm, sort of like a silent thank you, and approaches. Did I get a name? I forget if you told me the name. No, you did not get a name. Scrapper will kind of walk away from you over to the soy rito section and the little microwave and crappy burritos. <laughs> start stuffing his face. Start going through them. Buzz walks up to the dwarf and she uh, says, uh, Hi, my name's Boss, Annika Boss. And he'll turn towards you. You can see that his face is a little on the weathered side. He looks a little bit to have a, uh, a Latin heritage. His skin's a little darker. He'll look up to you and be like, Can I help help you find something? Boz shoots a look over towards Scrapper over top of the uh, aisles, since he towers above them. And His back is towards you. And then she looks back to the rough. She says, actually, uh, my friend Scrapper wanted me to talk to you about something. He said that you might be able to help. I can help with many things. We have great deals today on our soy ritos. They're right over here. It's two for three nuyen. We have some lovely new nerps that have come in recently. They are over here, and he'll point to a like an end cap that's got some exciting new retail products on it. She starts to look a little more and more like maybe Scrapper is pulling her leg, but she sort of like runs it through her head. She's thinking like he went to if he wanted to play some kind of a joke on her, like he wouldn't have come all the way out here. Could have gone to any stuffer shack anywhere. She says, actually, uh, I understand that. Uh, you have a little bit of skill in hand-to-hand combat. She just puts it right out there. She's not the type to beat around the bush. I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. This is a, this is a stuffer shack. We are the area's number one provider and various things. And this is very secure. I can assure you that the need for me to know how to defend myself is quite unnecessary. Is there something I could help you find, though? I really must get back to my work. I'm trying to decide how hard Boz would push if he was denying it. She starts to actually look a little frustrated, I think. Mm -hmm. Either one of two things is happening. Either this guy's giving her the runaround or Scrapper's giving her the runaround. And I think that is like rapidly starting to grate on her. And she crouches down a little bit to sort of get at eye level with him, which I don't know if that he would take that as being like patronizing. Doesn't seem to be any kind of specific way about it. Okay. I can pay you 
are you not bored of this? Like, I just, I need a teacher. Have it on good authority that you know your Drek. You gonna help me or not? Can I roll? Yeah, you can roll whatever you like. Let's go with Judge Intentions, and we will see what that gives, because I can give you more direct information based off of that. Sure. With your three hits there, you're going to get kind of the idea that he might be being deliberately irritating. It's working. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. But as you're kind of sizing him up, you're going to notice that like, as he's standing there with the mob, as he moves, he's always grounded, he's always centered with a solid stance, that kind of thing. He's always seems to be kind of like a tightly wound spring. Yeah. He seems very sprightly for an old dwarf. He looks like he is prepared. You know, like you get in those tense situations, you can feel the hairs on the back of your neck standing up, that kind of thing. And as you're yeah. kind of drinking him in, you notice that he's just like, at any moment, he's prepared to defend himself. Right. But he still hasn't responded to what she said, though. Yeah. So what it- It's like, Ah, yes. Payment is up at the register. There's... And he'll look over to the side. Ah, yes. Christine is up there right now. She's a lovely girl. Not not too bright, but if you'll excuse me, he'll kind of go and kind of spill his mop water all over your foot. She doesn't even, like, jump back from it. A lot of people would, you know, the water, like, is coming towards their feet and they would just jump back. She just looks down, watches as this mop water goes over her boots. Fortunately, because she's an outdoorsy kind of lady, doesn't get her feet wet or anything. But, waterproof. But she, she looks down and she looks back up at him and she says, look, I get it. Because he's going to start kind of like apologizing and mopping up the water, hitting your foot with the mop as he's trying to get to the spots right where you're standing. You're either trying to get me to leave or you're trying to provoke me. I'm not interested. He will follow it up. He's like, no, no, it was a, it was an accident. I'm so sorry. And begins to apologize. He offers you something off the NURPS display or to grab you a thing of soy ritos. I think at this point, Boss is not a social creature. I think she sort of played her hand, which was to be very forward. And uh, she just shakes her head and she says, this, this is a waste of time. She starts for the door and she kind of shuts over to Scrapper and to like let him know that she's walking out. She's not going to, like, punch the guy or something. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> You're right. It would be kind of ridiculous for you to assault somebody in the middle of the day. For no reason. Like, that's not yeah. boss's thing. Especially since, like, she has it on good authority that this guy knows Those what he's... Things. Why would she's going to, like, attack an expert because he's trying to provoke her into doing it? Like, she's not going to give him the satisfaction if that's what he's after. You know what I mean? So Scrapper will kind of come out. Yeah, he'll have some, some of the soy Ritos and some kind of fizzy drink. She's already, like, lighting up a cigarette when he comes out, and she's just standing right up front, like, away from the teenagers. And he'll come over to you, offer you a, a soy Rito. She shakes her head. She says, uh, I, I had my meal for the day. Thanks, though. So tell me, is this some kind of a joke? Do I look like the kind of person that makes jokes on the regular? I don't know. Are you... You bring me to this guy, and he what's he's, he's throwing mop water on my boots. He, I can tell that he knows what he's doing. I can tell he knows. He's clearly got some skill. I can see it in the way he stands, but he's not giving me the time of day. So I offered to pay the guy. If he doesn't want money, then I don't got anything else for him. If he doesn't want to train people, there's nothing I can do to convince him. He'll uh, nod and... uh He'll hang out there while you finish your cigarette, and he'll just look down at the little bag of soyritos he has and just kind of drop it on the ground. And then he'll start heading around to the back to the dumpster. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> yeah. Boss, like, waits a moment. As he's kind of, like, walking. He doesn't explain why he's going that way, but she does that sort of thing where she kind of follows, but not, like, on his heels. Like, you know, just walking slower to still sort of, like, she's staying within view kind of thing. But she's still smoking, I think. She probably just lights up another cigarette when she finishes the other one. Because it's a frustrating day. And she watches him. She says, uh, you got any other ideas? Just one. And you'll hear the rickety wheels of a mop bucket being wheeled out back. Okay. Boss sort of like narrows her eyes a little bit and takes a drag off her cigarette and waits for the dwarf to come around. And he'll come around. He'll come up the storm drain and begin dumping the mop bucket and squeezing out the mop. When he's done, he'll turn and he'll look at you and he'll ask, why? Well, I don't want to die. 
Is that a good enough reason for you? No one really wishes death. And so few people are willing to do something about it. Are you wearing, like, your guns and stuff? She's probably got her concealed pistol in her boot. Probably does have one of her guns with her. So he'll take a step forward with his little mop bucket in front of him, just kind of wheeling it towards you. Point to your guns. You have those. I don't always have these. You're not always prepared for death. Exactly. And I would like to be. Why? I feel like I answered that. I would like to avoid dying. If I can help it. I have people who rely on me, and I don't want to let them down. And I don't want to... She sort of, like, trails off, and she, uh... She sort of realizes for a moment that, like, just dying doesn't actually sound that bad when she when she starts to think about it. Like, you know, if I were to, like, get killed on one of these runs, it would it really be that big of a deal. This sort of somber moment for her, she kind of, like, looks down, and she, uh... But she sort of, like, realizes, like, look, you're asking me why. I could give you a thousand reasons why I need to learn how to fight. But I think you know I have a job to do, and I need to be good at it. And if I'm not good at it, people that I care about could suffer because of it. And I don't want to be responsible for that. So I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that doesn't happen. If that means coming to talk to some obnoxious dwarf with a... uh, uh, So she trails off. She just kind of like sputters and looks frustrated. He'll look from you, he'll look up to a strapper, and then after a moment he'll look back to you and nod. Very well. Scrapper will kind of reach and hand you a data chip. Okay. She takes it, and she can't, like, check to see what's on it, so she just asks. She says, uh, what's this for? And at this point he'll turn with his mop bucket and start walking back inside. Schedule. Schedule. All right. Well, I can be punctual. I will, I will make this work. Thank you. She finally has before you can get too far out of earshot. We'll go back into cleaning up the mess he made. She looks over at Scrapper then and she says, I don't know why people got to make this kind of thing more complicated than it needs to be. So he'll kind of look at you as he straightens up off the wall he was leaning on and head back to the car. He has a particular way. He doesn't like to hurt people. And if you were just looking for his assistance so you could hurt people, he wouldn't have talked to you. I guess that's fair. I can empathize with that. I don't really want to hurt people either, if I'm going to be completely honest, but sometimes you got to. And he nods, and with kind of a somber tone, says, sometimes you got to. She's been sort of fingering the data chip as she walks, and she finally, like, pockets it, and she says, uh, thanks for this. I mean, uh, not so good with people, but it seems like it worked out. I think I'll just kind of keep walking and just kind of take it. You'll notice that he seems a little distracted on the drive back. Yeah. Boss does too, actually. As always, thank you guys for listening. You are the reason that we continue to to do this. Come by, check us out on Patreon. We have a couple of different goals on there, all of which is oriented towards growing the show and doing more things in that vein. You know, we want to get bigger and better and all of that happy stuff. I want to give back to the cast for helping out and sitting down to play this game. The Patreon link is going to be in the description. And uh, tell your friends! You know, that's the easiest way to to help us out without really doing anything super in-depth. You know, spread the word. And, you know, as much as I hate to drone on about it, there's those things about five-star iTunes reviews. So, but it is now time for the legal stuff.
The music you heard was composed by and copyrighted by Michael Vadamikis and for use with the Without a Net podcast. The Tops Company Inc. has sole ownership of the names, logos, artwork, marks, photograph, sounds, audio, video, and or any other proprietary material used in connection with the game Shadowrun. The Tops Company Inc. has granted permission to the Without a Net podcast to use such names, logos, artwork, marks, and or other proprietary materials for promotional and informational purposes on its website, but does not endorse and is not affiliated with the Without a Net podcast in any official capacity whatsoever.